Okay, good morning, everybody. Talmud is by Max and Brenda Lopkowski in honor of Yitzhak Meir's upcoming bar mitzvah and by Riva Mitzner in commemoration of the first yard of her father, Larry Schneck, Ari Ben Chaim, and Jack Bennett in honor of Sergeant Omer Taviv, who was killed in a Hamas anti-attack missile on the Gaza border on May 12th. Week of Learning is by Aaron and Alana Weinberg in honor of their daughters, Bas Mitzvah Adina Hinda, Dafyomi sponsored by Matt Marks on the one-year anniversary of moving to Baltimore and joining this fantastic Dafyomi Shir. Look forward to meeting more of you in the upcoming year. Okay, we are in Tezvav Umid Beis. Four lines down. The Mishnah told us yesterday that if a person used Aruchos Hamita, which is that he used the materials made um, used to make a bed, so if he used that as schach, so the Gemara says, The Rav Ami Bartivyumi has a halacha that if a person used, we know that if a person used something which is a kli, is a utensil, that means it's able to be makabal tuma. so then even though it grows from the ground, it's a problem. Right? To use it as schach, it needs to grow from the ground and not be able to be makabal tuma. So something which is a kli, a utensil, which could be makabal tuma, a person could not use for a sukkah. Rabbi Bartivyumi said that if something used to be able to be makabal tuma, and then something happened to it, it broke, or something happened to it, which even though right now it can't be makabal tuma, but it used to be able to be makabal tuma, you're not allowed to use it. So that was his halacha. So the Gemara is saying that the, the Mishnah said the, the materials used to make up the bed frame, which means the wood used to make up the bed frame, so let's say almost like an upside-down U. In other words, you have a platform with something that makes up the legs. The Mishnah said you're not allowed to use that. So that would be a riot to Rav Ami mean that even though right now it's not a kli, because by itself, seemingly, it can't be used for anything productive, but since it came that it was attached to other materials which made up the whole bed frame, so it used to be a kli, so if the Mishnah is saying you're not allowed to use part of the bed frame, that would be a support for the halacha, that's something that came from a kli, which right now is not a kli, cannot be used for schach. Mar says, no, it's not a clear proof. No, you could say the case of the Mishnah. So I'm sorry, I made, I made one mistake. Originally, we were understanding that it was just a piece of a bed. Let's just say one pole of a bed, which means right now it can't be used for something. Kumar is answering, no, that I could tell you that when the Mishnah said Aruch Samita, it meant a piece plus, plus um, the two support beams, which we'll see in a second, that even though you would have thought that that's not a Kli, that we really have an, we really have an opinion in, the, in a Mishnah saying that that really could be used for something. So in other words, the Gemara's Raya was assuming the case of the Mishnah is something which isn't a Kli, so why can't you use it for Schach? Must be, since it came from being a kli, even though right now it's not a utensil, you can't use it, which would be a support for that halacha, that something which came from a kli can't be used for schach. 
The Gemara's answering, no, you can't prove that, because I could tell you the case is <coughs> that the shape of the thing you're using for your schach is something which really even right now could be used for a kli. It really could be used for something, and therefore even right now it is mekabal and therefore it's not, a, it's not a raya, it's not a support for his halacha. So the Gemara says, Heichi itmer the Rav Chanan Amar Rebbe. So we were quoting this statement that Rav Chanan Amar Rebbe said. So where did he say that statement? It's none. Because there was a Mishnah in Kalim which said, Mita metamas chavila, metaheras chavila divrei Rebbe Eliezer. Eliezer's opinion was that if the whole bed frame was made, was connected together properly, so then, <clears throat> then it's able to become Tameh, because then it has the status of a Kli. And when you go and take it to the mikvah, you have to dip the entire thing in together to make it, if it's tummy, to make it Tahor. Because you deal with the whole thing as one big entity. But the Rabbanan disagreed. <clears throat> and they said that even if the whole bed frame is not together, it's in parts, it could still become tummy. Okay, so we seem to have a machlokas about this point. If you had a bed frame which was not all intact together, could it still become tummy? The first opinion of Eliezer said, only if the entire bed frame is made up together, then it's defined as a kli, as a utensil, and therefore it could become tummy. And the Chachamim disagreed and said, even though the whole bed frame is not intact together, rather it's broken up into smaller parts, it could still become tummy. So my nihu, so what was this case that the Mishnah was talking about, that the Chachamim said, even though the whole bed frame wasn't made up together, it could still become tummy. That it was the long side of the bed frame with its legs, or the short side of the bed frame with its legs. And And what was that one piece able to do by itself? In other words, seemingly you, you can't put a bed or just one piece of wood with its legs. It's not going to hold anything. Okay, Rashi explains it, is that if you have this one bar with two legs and you put it up close to a short wall and you can put wood on top to connect the two and then you can put some type of strings or rope to make, um, to make something which would support some type of mattress. And therefore, even though you only have this one beam with the two legs, which you would have thought can't really make a bed, but the way you could connect it to a bed is by doing that, doing that thing. You'll bring it close to a short wall, make some type of connection, and make something to hold up the, the bed. So therefore, the Chachamim are saying, even though you would have thought this is not enough of a bed frame itself, it's really chazya, it's really able to be used for a productive purpose, and therefore it is a kli. Okay, so that's where that conversation was. So our Gemara before was referencing that conversation, that again, the Mishnah said, you can't use aruchos hamita, beams of a bed frame, for schach. So we thought you can't use it even though right now it's not fit for anything, which would prove to us that something which came from a kli, even though it's not a kli today, still can't be used for schach. And the Gemara said, no, that I could tell you the cases like this case, which is something which, since you have the beam and the two legs, you really could use that together with a short wall to make a bed, and maybe that's why the Mishnah said you can't use it for schach. 
So it's no raya, it's no support for the halacha, which said, even though today it's not a kli, since it came from something which was a kli, you can't use it for schach. You can't prove that from the Mishnah, because the case of the Mishnah could be that today it's also a kli. Okay, gufa. Amr Ravami Bartavyumi. So Ravami Bartavyumi said his halacha. So we were just discussing, can I prove his halacha from the mission? So we said you can't prove it. But what was his halacha? He said, <clears throat> that if a person used the worn out pieces of a kli, in other words, something which was a kli, which now is not fully intact, but the materials came from something which was a utensil, you're not allowed to use that for schach. My bloy kelim. What would be an example of what he's talking about? If you have like pieces of cloth which are less than three tvachim by three, uh, three, sorry, is it three tvachim or three etzbos? I believe it should be three etzbos. Somebody could correct me if I'm wrong. Huh? Three etzbos. Okay, so three etzbos, which means three finger lengths. So if you have this material which is less than three by three, a very small piece of cloth, which is not fitting for a well-off person or a poor person to use it. It's too small to, to be used. <clears throat> so if you have something like that, which right now is not a cleat, but it came from something which was part of a bigger thing, which was part of a cleat, so that would be an example of bloy kalim, something which came from a kli, which right now is not a kli, which you can still not use for schach. Tani kavazid ravami bertev yumi, we have a b'raisa like his halacha, machzela shal shifa. If you have a mat made out of different types of material, shifa shal gemi, so Rashi on one of them says one is a type of plant that is planted close to, close to the sea. The parts which are left over, even though part was removed from them, and right now you're left with the materials which is less than the shear to be the kli, to be makabal tumah. In other words, you had a mat which was, which was big enough to be able to be makabal tumah, to become tumah. And then part of the mat got cut off. So now you're left with a piece of a mat which is not big enough to be called usable to today be able to be makabotoma. Still, the Brisa said, even though today it's not a kli, you're still not allowed to use that for schach, so which is a raya, it's a support for his halacha that something which came from being a kli, even though today it's not a kli, you still can't use that for schach. And if you had a mat made out of reeds, if it's a big mat, you could use it for schach. If it's a small mat, you can't use it for schach. So this is really going to be Gemara's later. But the reason for a big mat, you could use it for schach, is because the this, this Tana holds that when the big ones were made, they were normally made not for lying down, it was made for schach, and therefore it's not a kli. What would make it a kli is if a person used it as some type of bed or a place to lie on. But since he holds, when they made the big ones, they made it to put it on their sukkah like a schach mat, therefore it's not makabal tumba and a person could use it. But a small one which was made for people lying down, 
therefore it's defined as a kli. And since it's a def- since it's defined as a kli, you can't use it for skach. Rebeliezer said, no, even the big ones are made for lying down, and therefore it is a kli. And therefore even the big ones you can't use for skach. Okay, but w- what the Gemara is saying, you see from the Brisa, is you see in that first halacha, that if you had a mat which was able to become tummy, and then a piece of the mat was cut off, and now the piece that I have is too small to become tummy itself, still the price is it, you can't use it for schach. So that's a clear proof for his halacha, which said, even though today it's not a kli, but if the source of the materials was from something which was a kli, then you cannot use it for schach. Okay, achotit v'godesh. Okay, so we talked... Yesterday, the Mishnah said that if a person had his heap of straw or something, which was a big bundle put on the ground, and he went and he dug out from the bottom, which created a space, ultimately, of ten tefachim. In other words, he made the amount necessary for a sukkah. By digging out from the bottom, but he never touched the roof, the Mishnah told us that's not a good sukkah. So the reason is, is that when you make a sukkah, you have to put the roof on. Over here, where you put the materials on the ground and there was no roof, and then you dug out the bottom, which without touching the roof, you ended up making a roof. You made a roof by digging out the bottom, the floor, instead of actually putting on the roof. The Mishnah says that's not a good sukkah. <coughs> The only time the Mishnah said that's a problem is when you put it down, there wasn't at least a tefach of space on the sheer sukkah, which means the minimum size of a sukkah is seven tefachim by seven tefachim a square. So Rafuna is saying the only time the Mishnah said it's a problem is that there wasn't even a tefach of airspace in this bundle the size of a minimum size sukkah, which is seven by seven. But if you had a tefach of space, when you put the bundle down, there was a tefach of space. Then, if it's by seven by seven, a tefach of space, then it's okay. Right? We know the minimum size sukkah is it needs to be 10 tefachim high. So why would it be that if it was originally one tefach of space, even though I never touched the roof, I just dug out the other nine, why would it be that's okay? So from this Gemara, you seem to see that the definition of something being called schach doesn't have to do with it, it covering 10 tefachim of open space. The definition of being called schach is it needs to cover at least one tefach of open airspace. That's called, it's being mesachech over a place. It's providing shade for that place. Even though your sukkah would not be kosher if you left it like that, but that's called when I put down my heap and there was a one tefach space which the next layer was covering, that's called I put down schach. I put down schach on a sukkah which happens to not be kosher today. Then what did I do? I dug out the other nine, which made my sukkah kosher. But that's still called, when I put down that heap initially with the one tefach space, that's called I was mesachich. I put down 
kosher materials for a sukkah which was covering some level of open space, then I dug out the rest. The Mishnah is saying that's okay. Tosas here points out an interesting thing that in the Gemara Daf Yud, you had a Gemara about two sukkahs on top of each other. So over there, there was a whole disagreement <clears throat> about how big, about what was the height of the upper sukkah. Okay, so there's a three-way disagreement over there. One of the opinions was Rav Huna, who over there said one tefach. So Tosa says he's not sure if the two things are connected. In other words, the opinions over there who disagreed and said the upper sukkah will only create a problem if it's more than a tefach, would they also disagree over here and say that when you initially put that bundle down, it needed to be covering more than one tefach of space? Or does everybody agree over here? Is there two different conversations? One conversation is one sukkah on top of a second sukkah. And over here, it's a different conversation. Where here, there's only one sukkah. Maybe everybody agrees in defining what's called uh, making schach. You only need one tefach. And in that Gemara, where it's the question of one sukkah um, nullifying the other sukkah, maybe that's where you have a three-way disagreement about how what is the height of the upper sukkah to um, pass the, the bottom sukkah? We have a b'risa which says that if a person digs out the bottom to, without affecting the roof, he digs out the bottom which makes a space that now he has a roof, the b'risa says it's a good sukkah. What do you mean? But the Mishnah says it's not a good sukkah. So what's the Brisa talking about? Where it says, Rafuna would be the answer to this question. So the Mishnah was talking, if when you put down that bundle, there was no space, and therefore when you put it down, it wasn't called schach. If by digging out the bottom, you turned it into schach, that's a problem. The Brisa, which said it's okay, is talking in a case where when you put it down, there was already a, a tefach of space, so it was called schach. But there's just a the problem that even though it's called schach, your sukkah is not big enough, so you dig out the bottom. Once you made your sukkah ten tefachim high, so then it's a kosher sukkah. Some had this conversation presented a little differently. Some had it as the following. The Mishnah says digging out the bottom is not a good sukkah. But the Bryce has said it is a good sukkah. Funa said, no, the Mishnah is talking if there wasn't a there wasn't a tefach of space when you put it down. The Bryce is talking where there was. So in other words, the first version was Rafuna talking on the Mishnah, saying the Mishnah is only true if when you put it down there wasn't a tefach of space. Then the Gemara followed up and said, oh, this will answer a question we had. Because we had a contradiction between the Mishnah and the Brisa, and because of what Rafuna just told me, I can answer the question. Depends, was there a tefach of space when you put it down? The second version the Gemara is bringing is that we started with the question, a stira contradiction, between the Mishnah and the Brisa, and Rafuna answered the question for us. The first version was he said something, and we said, oh, that can answer our question. Second version was said is that we presented it as a question, and Rafuna came and answered the question for us. Okay, says the Mishnah, person who's 
way Rashi described it is he's like weaving his walls. So he starts from the top by ischach, milamala lamato, and he's going down. But it would be the same thing if a person just had materials to make to make a wall. So in other words, his wall starts by his schach, but isn't going to get all the way to the floor. If his wall is three tfachim off the ground, in other words, it's, your wall starts by your schach, but your material doesn't get all the way to the floor. If it's three tfachim off the ground, then it's psula, can be a problem. Milamata lamaila. But if your if your wall starts by the ground and goes up, Once your wall is ten tefachim high, starting from the bottom, then your sukkah is kosher. In other words, there's no halacha that says that your wall needs to reach your schach. But there is a halacha that says that your wall needs to be within three tefachim of the floor. Okay, so sometimes you see that you hear about that the people will go on a Cholomoe trip and you'll try to make a sukkah with like doors of a car. In other words, imagine you have two big vans and you open up both two side doors that go like this. You open up both side doors next to each other. So now you have your, now you have walls and you would put schach over top. So one thing you'd have to be careful about would be this halacha, that those doors are going to be more than three tefachim off the ground. Therefore, it's going to be a problem because of, of this halacha. <coughs> In other words, you, you, you open up your doors, you connect the two doors, because you, you, you could have enough walls. You could use one of the walls of the car plus your doors. And you put schach over top, but if you have a two-foot space from the bottom of the wall to the floor, so then you don't really have walls to your sukkah. That's this halacha that we're learning. Okay, Rabbi Yossi Omer, Rabbi Yossi disagreed. He said, Rabbi Yossi held that what we just said is not true. He said, there's no such halacha that says <coughs> your wall needs to be within three tefachim of the floor, that all it needs to be is ten tefachim of material, and even if it doesn't come close to the floor, it's okay. okay but we pass in like that first opinion, that there's no halachic requirement that your walls touch your schach, but there is a halachic requirement that the wall needs to be within three tefachim of the floor. What's the machlokas? One holds that a mechitza tluya, which means a mechitza that's hanging, because it's not touching or close to the floor, would suffice, and one holds it would not. Okay, so the mission over there says that if you have a pit in between two courtyards, so a person is not allowed, either side of the courtyard is not allowed to fill up from the pit on Shabbos, unless he made a wall ten tefachim high, but the wall needs to go over the pit, and it needs to even go within, within the lip of the pit. So the reason is that if you have a bore, a pit, which um, is down the borderline of two chatseras, two different courtyards. <coughs> so the problem is that the water really belongs to both sides. So to come and take the water would be taking out from that courtyard and bringing it into my courtyard. So the Mishnah is saying that this, this is a problem, problem. So the Chazal remember, you make this type of wall. Which, which shows that there's a separation 
between the two types of courtyards, then a person would, would yes allow, would yes be allowed to take from this pit. Omer, top of Omer He held that Beishamai said, you don't need to make the wall within the lip of the pit. You can just make it on top. Beishil disagreed and said an even needs to be inside. Rabbi Huda's opinion was that not only were we lenient for taking water out of the pit, we were even lenient that this type of wall would suffice for carrying between the two courtyards. In other words, the first opinion was saying this is a specific leniency they made by drawing water from the well. Rabbi Huda is saying, I think it's the same leniency regarding separating the two chatzeris the two courtyards in order to carry. So we had Rabbi Yossi in the Mishnah, we had a disagreement in the Mishnah. The Tanakhama held, the Rabbanan held, that a wall needs to be within three tvachim of the floor. If it's not within three tvachim of the floor, so then it's not called a wall. Rabbi Yochanan says that Rabbi Yehuda is the same opinion as Rabbi Yossi. The Rabbi Yehuda in this Mishnah we just brought also held whether it's for carrying or for taking water out of the well that a wall which doesn't touch the floor because you have your pit of water and he's saying a wall which is above which means it's not within three tvachim of the bottom would still suffice as a good wall to separate the two chatzeres, two courtyards from each other. So Rabbi Yochanan saying even though there's two different conversations. We're talking about the halachas of making a wall for a sukkah. That's talking about the halachas of Shabbos of carrying. But Rabbi Yochanan saying that the two things to me sound like it's the same. That in both places I see Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda are being lenient, that they're defining a wall which does not come all the way to the ground as a good wall. One for the halachas of sukkah, and one to allow a person to carry within his courtyard. Velohi. Says the Gemara, it's not true that the two things are the same thing. I can explain to you that neither of them really hold like each other. Just from that mission in Erevin, I would tell you, <clears throat> maybe Rabbi Yehuda was only lenient by a wall which doesn't come all the way to the ground, by something where the whole issue was a, rab- was a rabbinic issue. If the whole problem was a derabbana, maybe that's where he was lenient to say this type of wall, which doesn't come all the way, grant, all the way to the ground, is okay. But in our Mishnah, which we're defining a deraisa question, which is what's the definition of a wall of a sukkah, you can't prove to me that Rabbi Yehuda, who was lenient over there, would be lenient even over here. And even the Rebiosi in our Mishnah, who was lenient by Sukkah, you can't prove to me that he would be lenient over there. Maybe Rebiosi was lenient when it came to making a Sukkah <coughs> where the whole thing is a mitzvah asay, is a positive mitzvah to go and make a Sukkah. But Shabbos, which is a much more stringent category, that it's relevant to, that it's a low sasei, it's a negative prohibition, which if a person does, gets the most stringent penalty of skila, of being stoned. So look, you can't prove to me that Rabbi Yossi and our Mishnah would apply his leniency 
in that case of Shabbos, even though in that case of Shabbos, we're really discussing a Durabana. In other words, the Gemara is saying, but Shabbos, which is a prohibition of skila, he would never say it. Rashi clarifies that in this case, nobody's going to be obligated in skila. Skila is if a person breaks Shabbos from the Torah's definition. Here it was a, it was a Durabanan issue, but what he's saying is maybe he was lenient by sukkah, which is a positive mitzvah. Shabbos, which in general is a very, very stringent category, so maybe even a Durabanan of Shabbos they dealt with more stringently, and therefore you can't prove to me that Rabbi Yossi would be lenient by that case in the Mishnah in Erevin. Okay, so we had Rabbi Yochanan saying the two places you find Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi being lenient by that wall that doesn't come all the way to the ground is the same opinion, to which the Gemara is responding, no, <clears throat> could be there's more reason to be lenient by sukkah, because the whole thing is a positive mitzvah as opposed to Shabbos, which in general is an Isra And it could be the opposite. It could be there's more reason to be lenient over there because the whole thing is a Durabanan, as opposed to our Mishnah, which is really a Deiraisa, the, trying to define the Torah's definition of what makes the wall of a sukkah. There was a story in the town of Tzipori which we'll see what the story was in a second. So according to who were they lenient? Lo al pi Yossi, al pi Yossi. It has to be that they weren't lenient like the halacha of Rav Yossi. They were really relying on the opinion of Rav Yishmol Yossi. So let's see, let's see a little more and then we'll come back. My Maisa. What was the story that happened in Tzipori? They used to not keep the Sefer Torah in the shul. Which Rashi explains that it was concerned that the government or people were, were going to know where the Sefer Torah was and try to steal it from them. They would keep it in a person's house. So one week, Erev Shabbos was busy, and they forgot to bring it to Shul. Now the problem is, how do you get it to the Shul on Shabbos? Okay, so if you have an Erev, everything's good. But they didn't have an Erev. Okay, so now we're stuck. Now, just to give a little bit of background, there's something called, um, there's houses... That's batim, which open into a chatzar, into a courtyard. Okay, just to give a, some, something to think about. Imagine like Pickwick. Okay, you have a bunch of little apartments, houses, which open into their parking lot. That would be something similar to like a chatzar. Okay, chatzeras, courtyards, open up into a mavui, which is the next size street. So Pickwick pulls on to Willowglen. Okay, that would be like a muscle of the different stages. A bunch of little houses which open into their parking lot. That's the bottom into their chatseris, their courtyard. And then the courtyard, they pull onto the next street, which would be the mavui. Okay, now all these things are still going to be defined as a rishus hayochid. So in other words, they're all private places, which if you have walls sur- surrounding to make each of them a rishus hayachid, then minatora doiraisa, a person could carry out of his pickwick apartment into the into his parking lot, from his parking lot into Willowgwen, assuming there was walls. Now, it's a derabanan issue that a person can't carry from one rishus hayachid to another rishus hayachid. Okay. <clears throat> now, if you don't have walls, then you run into bigger issues. So we, we happen to have an Arab, but if a person didn't have, if the city Arab was down for some reason, it would be a bigger issue to carry from the, 
Pickwick apartment into the parking lot. Okay, but if you have mechitzah, so then everything's defined as a rishis hayachid. So the only problem is there's a derabbanan issue that to carry from one rishis hayachid, one private place to another, you have to make an eruv. Okay, so they so you can make an eruv, an eruv chatzeris, which means all the people in the courtyard would join together to make it that. <coughs> This courtyard now belongs to all of us, which would allow us to carry from our houses into our courtyard. Okay, so there was one time, Rashi has two different ways of saying the story, but either, either one is basically the same thing. Let's say there was... So let's say somebody in a Pickwick apartment had the Sefer Torah. On the other side of the street, there was... That's where the shul was. One of the buildings across the street in the parking lot was the shul. So we needed to get the Sefer Torah from this side of the parking lot in our apartments to across the street. Now the problem was there's all these other apartments which open up into the, into the same chatzar, and we, don't ha- we didn't make an Erev Chatzeris, which means there's a Durabbanan issue that we can't carry into the parking lot to get the Sefer Torah out of my house to the parking lot into the shul. So Lamacher Pirsus Sadin and Al-Gabi Amudim. So what did they do? They brought some type of cloth, and they put it on top of pillars, they view Sefer Torah v'karubo, and they, and they brought the Sefer Torah to read it. I'll clarify in one second. First the Gemara brought it as saying, they went and they carried new materials. Asked the Gemara, how could they carry new materials from outside? You're not allowed to carry on Shabbos. No, they found that there was these cloths aren't pillars, that were already there, they spread them out to accomplish what they were trying to accomplish. Now, what were they trying to accomplish? Rashi explains that they blocked off all the other apartments. So they basically isolated the only things which were open to this chatzar, this courtyard, was my house and the shul. We isolated all the other houses off by pulling over this curtain. So... What did that do? That isolated all the other houses out of this courtyard, which made the only things in the courtyard is my house and the shul, which allowed me to carry from my house to the shul. What the Gemara is bringing is from there, you see that you can rely, they use the curtain, which is the type of a mechitza, which could technically reach the ground. But what's the problem with a mechitza that doesn't reach the ground? It's a mechitza which which if an animal could very easily go in and out, it's not defined as a mechitza. So if you have a cloth, which is just hanging by something, and you pull it across, even if it's technically touching the ground, it's the same problem. So if they relied on that to carry on Shabbos in this Durabbanan case, they were holding that a mechitza tluya, mechitza, which is not strong, it's not attached to the ground, is okay. So we see from this story in Sipori that they... that they seemed to hold that that was okay. So what the Gemara was clarifying before is, if you tell me Ribiosi was the opinion in our Mishnah by Sukkah, who said that a mechitza tluya, a mechitza which doesn't reach the ground, an animal could get in, is okay. If you tell me Ribiosi wouldn't agree to it when it comes to carrying on Shabbos, which was what the Gemara was saying before, so then this story which happened at Sipori, the town of Tzipori, which was where Ribiosi lived, and they were lenient, can't be because Ribiosi Paskin, it's okay. 
because the Gemara was suggesting the Rabbi Yossi would have never said it's okay by Shabbos. Maybe he only said it's okay by Sukkah. So this story, which we know happened in the town of Rabbi Yossi, it has to be that it wasn't because of Rabbi Yossi's psak that it was okay, because the Gemara was saying you can't, maybe Rabbi Yossi would never say it's okay by Shabbos. Maybe he was only lenient by Sukkah. So it has to be that that story really was according to Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yossi, which is a different person who was lenient like the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, that even regarding Hilcha Shabbos, a person could rely on that type of mechitza, which is a mechitza tluya, which is, which is not um, firm against the ground. Okay, um, says the Gemara, Amr of Chizda, Amr Avimi. Machtzelas arba umashehu materes besukah mishum dofen. Now, what's the minimal amount of material a person could use to make the wall of a sukkah? You can take a material which is a little bit more than four tfachim, and we're talking the minimum size sukkahs. Your schach is at ten tfachim. Okay, we're talking very short. You took material which is four and a half, and you placed it less than three tfachim off the ground, and it's less than three tfachim from the roof. Says the Gemara, Hechi of it, where'd you put it? Less than three to your schach, less than three to the ground. And since it's less than three tvachim, both directions, so you can say love it both ways. So even though you need a wall, which is ten tvachim, he's saying you can technically accomplish that. If your sukkah is the minimum size, you can accomplish that with four and a little bit of material. Says Gemara Pshita. Well, what are you coming to teach me? Why would I have thought that that's a problem? He's coming to teach you, even though you're doing love twice, still the halach allows for a double love to create a wall of ten tefach. Challenges the Gemara Meisvei. Machtzelas shiva umashehu materes besukah mishum dofen. The Brisa says that if you use a material of seven and a little bit, that can create a wall of a sukkah. So what the Gemara is challenging is it would sound like the Brysa is disagreeing with you. The Brysa, which was saying the minimum amount of material you could use for a sukkah, and it said seven and a little bit. So it sounded like the Brysa was saying you can't say love it twice. That's why you need seven and a little bit. Because if you're right... So then why would the Brysa say seven and a half? It really should have said four and a half, four, four and a little bit. My answer is no, kitan yahi besukkah gedola. Now he'll tell you the Brysa was talking about a sukkah which was not the minimum size sukkah. So let's say any of our sukkahs, your schach is six, eight feet, eight feet high. So what's the minimum amount of material that a person could use in that type of sukkah to make a wall ten tefachim high? That, the Bryce is saying, seven and a little bit. Take seven and a little bit, and you put it close to the ground. So you'll say one lovud, which will get it up to ten tvachim, and then you're good. The reason if you would take four and a little bit, in that case, and put it close to the ground, so you'll say one lovud down, which will make you have seven and a little bit tvachim, but you can't say lovud up, because it's, it's much more than three tvachim up to your schach. So in other words, his halacha was saying, if it's a minimum size sukkah, you can say love it twice, and you can really use four tfachim and a little bit to make it less than three both directions to be good. The b'risa was talking if it's a bigger sukkah, and therefore the b'risa needed more material, needed seven and a, and, and a little bit. My kamash malon. What's the b'risa coming to teach me? 
the Mishal Shon Tefanas Milamal Lamata Kribyosi. In other words, what the Gemara is asking is that if the case is it's a big sukkah and you're using seven Tfachim and a little bit and you're putting it close to the ground, so the Brysa seemingly is not really teaching me anything. All it's teaching me is you can say Lovud to make a wall of ten Tfachim. So what would the Brysa be coming to teach me that I wouldn't have known myself? So the is answering, no, the Bryce is assuming like the opinion of Ribiosi, and it's coming to say that even though your mechitza, your wall, is not close to the ground, because really what you're doing is you're doing seven tfachim and a little bit close to your schach, and the one lovud is between your schach and your wall, still the Bryce is coming to tell me it, it holds like the opinion of Ribiosi that it's fine, which is a chiddish, because even though there's no material close to the ground, still the Bryce is saying it's okay, which is not like the opinion we hold like, which is the Rabbanan that say there is a halacha that the wall needs to be within three tefachim of the floor. pas arba matir mishum That if you, right, we know the minimum wall of a, the minimum size of a sukkah has to be seven by seven. So it says, Rabbi if you take a material of four tefachim, now we're talking about the length of the sukkah. Before we were just talking about making the height of your wall. Now we're talking about making the length of your sukkah. So if you take a pasar bo, umashahu, material which is a little bit more than four, matar besukkah mishum dofen. So you can make a sukkah by putting that umukim lay bepachas mishlosha tfachem samach ladofen, kol pachas mishlosha samach ladofen kalavadami. So you have your material of four and a little bit, and you'll put it close to the other wall. So here's one wall, and I take my material of four and a little bit and put it here. I'll say lavud to fill in that space. And it'll end up, halachically, I have a wall of seven tefachim. Says Gemara, my kamash mulan, what are you coming to teach me that I wouldn't have known? Hakamash mulan, shir meshech sukkah katana shiva. He's coming to tell you that the minimum shear of a sukkah is only seven tefachim, and therefore, with four and a little bit, plus a lavud of three, gets you to more than seven, and that will suffice for making the wall of a sukkah. Okay, we'll stop over here. I just wanted to mention, if anybody was interested, we have about one more week of the halachas of making a sukkah. Once you get to chavtal or chavhei, really the mesechta moves on. If anybody was interested, you could tell me. I'd be, I would be happy to prepare for like a summary of at least the most relevant halachas that come out of all these staff of building a sukkah. I think we would have to do it one weeknight probably. Um, but I'm not going to spend the time putting it all together if nobody's going to come. So if, if anybody's interested, you can mention it to me, and we could try to try to work it out so that you feel like you walk away with a clear picture of what happened. Okay. <laughs>